0: building. Um Miss Drina Monique, she has been here with us before and we had a newbie on the mic. This is Justin E. So we're gonna introduce ourselves. You, well Drink you go first, ladies first of Um you know you know how I go. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Me on the spot. Of course. Alright hey everybody I'm Drina. What you want to
1: know
0: You <laughs> was way more. Ba- you was all into it the last time you was I, here. Why was I was all into it. I don't year? know. I, I, last... I don't think all this was. Oh, that's um, the movie, so Okay, we so we
1: were more so at home. Yeah, chilling. yeah. Um, um, But I guess I'm
0: from
1: Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised. I'm a mother of two daughters, 26 and 21. I have three granddaughters. See, I'm a nurse. I'm an entrepreneur. I will be opening up a boutique in Tower City. My grand opening date 8 is 822. Um, so I'm excited about that. And I'm a survivor. I guess that's most important.
2: Justin. Alright, I'm Justin I uh, I have three kids. I uh solve problems for a living. <laughs> Hustler and uh, consummate, um, consummate uh, uh of myself. So always growing, always trying to get be better. Now the topic of tonight's show, and it's
0: been it's been weighing on me. And um, I came up with the topic. Um, I had a, a spiritual zone with my girl, Elle, shout out to her, Elle Wood. Um, and it was me, her, Sparkle, and Precious. And um, we were talking about healing childhood traumas. And it was coming up in the card readings. And we and Precious was sitting there, because I happened to, to be working overtime that day, and we and Precious happened to be sitting there, and we sat there and we talked about it, and she was like, you should do a show on childhood trauma. And I was like, I think I should. I really, really delve into it of what it is, what it's not, you know, how you can recognize it, where your different, where your different uh, trauma responses come from. Um, and I started digging into it and start finding out a lot of different things. Um, number one, just because your mother told you no, that's not a, a trauma. Now, she may have, you know, called you a couple of very names after that or, you know, beat you while she was doing it. That's a trauma because she couldn't talk to you about it. But um, a lot of us in our age range have dealt with some type of trauma, whether it be physical, mental, um, lack of, or emotional, so to speak lack of love, the wrong the wrong type of love. Um and sometimes when you look at it, it spans back to generational because it could be your mother, your grandmother, your great grandmother, grandmother, all of whom thought that this was the way of rearing a child. When in most cases a lot of times time it really wasn't, but that's what you had to feel. Um, then we factor in alcohol, drugs, and lack of financials. It becomes a whole other ball game, or it becomes a snowball effect. Actually, it just goes until somebody tries to stop it. Um, I'm at the, the point where, like I said, I, I call it the show. You can't heal what you never did. We all have been through things, or know someone who's been through some things, and they don't talk about or they don't know how to open up and talk about it or when to even open up and talk about it. So, um, hopefully this this series will open up people's minds and thought process of even trying to understand what's going on like, You might not like your mother, but if you understood what happens to her or you know, anything like that, you may have a better understanding of how to even go about dealing with your mother or with your father or with your sibling, any of that nature. Um, so let's, let's get into it. Um, I would start with my own uh, personal brand of uh, trauma. Um, my mother was young for one. Uh, she was 20 years older than me when she had me. Um, my father was, and he is a hothead, You know, he was meant to get me here. He was not. In the place. Um, and I've come to that conclusion over my lifetime of living and learning and in my own spirituality. Um, Mom was young, dad was a lot older than her. Um, my mother did a lot of shit that young girls do. You know, um I was with other people a lot. I was with my grandmother, my godmother, my godfather, but even when over there, I seen things that most children were not supposed to see. Um, I saw the fist fights, I saw the, the alcohol abuse, the drug abuse. You know, even though my mother was born on her own similar brand of the same thing. Um, my uncle kept me alive. He became, like, you didn't see my mother doing what he felt she was supposed to do for me. He took me. Um, things didn't get a lot settled until my baby sister came along. I was maybe about eight or nine years old. And we moved in with my grandmother. That's when my grandmother became. Um, my mother kind of like stepped back and let my grandmother raise us until it was time for like discipline. Then my grandmother, like, you know, with the kids, whatever. Um, but also being the oldest, having to help raise kids that was not my life, it gave me a level of maturity that I probably wouldn't have had if I, had my, if I didn't have no siblings. Um, I was immediately placed in the kitchen. Responsibility to be the oldest. You know, you got to hold yourself to a certain standard so they don't follow behind you. So that was kind of a, a hard thing to kind of do. Um, but I did. I, I helped raise my little sisters. Honestly, like when my grandmother died, it, when really we came to a head. it was more so I was their mother and My mother was more like a sister um, And I told my mom in recent talks with actually being able to have a conversation with her about these things um, I told her, I said, you gave up your power to our grandmother. Yes, we lived under her roof, but we were still your children so you were supposed to put your foot down and say, ma, no, this is this and this is that. Or y'all could came to some type of common ground. You just kind of gave up your, your your parental rights, so to speak. Like, anytime it came time for us to want to do something, we had to ask grandma. It wasn't no, oh, I'll go ask your mother. Like, at first it was like, she was like, why are you coming to me and asking me? anything where's your mother and i'm like well she told me to come ask you and that's how the process began of my mother giving her power over to my grandmother and i've noticed that coming up so when i had my child i was like yeah no nah, that's not happening that's my child what i say well, if what you're saying is A semblance of correct, I'm gonna go with it. But for the most part, if I tell him no, he can't have something, that's it. If I tell him he can go somewhere, that's it. Um, He don't have to ask nobody but me because I'm his mother. Um, Certain things that I've seen my mother do coming up where I would have never allowed, like, I pride myself on not. Allowing my children to see different things, um, and it worked out pretty good. First one, still working with other one, um, but I did notice different little trauma responses that I had, and even dealing with relationships, friendships in my life, like not letting go when I was supposed to hold on to something that really didn't. Meaning, you know good. I did all of those things because I didn't know that I wasn't supposed to. And growing up and seeing different things, I was taught that that was love. That's what I was supposed to go through in order to be in love and have a man. But then I had to take a step back because those were not the things that I was supposed to do to keep a man or have a man or anything I had to love myself for in order to even align myself to the type of man that I want or need in some, in some cases, but that's come from me digging back into my childhood traumas and figuring out that everything good or bad shaped me. How do I figure out how to deprogram myself for certain things on triggers, trauma triggers? How do I program myself from some in some cases, some people seek therapy. You know, they really need to talk to somebody who can help them sort their thoughts out. Other people, you know, I do my podcast. That's how I get my story out. That's how I work through it. Um, but some people have some traumas that are so strong that they truly, truly need to go talk to somebody because, you know, your, your traumas is that. Be. And I know a few people that's like that. Um, but they end up having to go and talk to other people in order to get their heads facing the right away. Some people never go. And I watched a good friend of mine, instead of her going to get help with her childhood trauma, she went straight down the rabbit hole to doing drugs. And I know that you know, I know. Her family, that's a generational curse on that family. Right? Everybody. All on her daddy's side. Everybody that had it. Bad. Um, and it hurt to see her go down that path. And I had to let her go. And have, she's still going down that path, and there's nothing I can do about it because I got my own. And you gotta get it, So, um, it's a weird.
1: So, um, basically, in a nutshell, my mom,
0: to give a little justification
1: of history, I'm just finding out she was a um, product of a rape, um, my grandmother was raped at 15, and she consumed, I mean, she had my mother back in those days, they really didn't believe in abortion, and my grandmother's religious black background was Christianity, so it was um, condemned. Um, my father broke up and from what I remember as a little girl is us always moving around. Um, I remember my mother being real glamorous and in the streets and we just, we was always moving around or out and about somewhere. Um, in the early 80s, we moved on Lecture Boulevard and um, everything was fine. My mother was, she always instilled education in us. She always, um, she took in education and her kids being knowledgeable. So that's how we started off on lecture. How we ended was horrible. Um, my mother got into a relationship. That relationship became volatile. Um, next thing I know, she stopped coming home and those days grew longer and longer and longer Um, she became abusive neglectful and we were just traumatized Um, she started accusing of uh, us of like stealing things from her and this was her i guess gateway into crack cocaine um she kicked us out and that's how we wound up in the system it was me and my three brothers.
2: Um,
1: we wound up in a system. I don't know if you guys know a place called and Byam. But they took us there. By the grace of God, I had my father's side of the family. So that was also the first time that they split us up. And that was the last time we were all together as siblings. Um, we went into and Biome. They did they intake. I went with my grandmother. My two older brothers went with um, foster parents. And my youngest brother, surprisingly, they let him stay with my mom until she left him in the house by herself and he set the house on fire. And that's how he got into the system. But getting into mess with I was exposed to kids who been through a lot of processes in their life. Um, I was subjected to bullying, um, being touched by other kids, just a lot of different um, avenues. They tried over and over to, you know, reconcile us with my mother and during those reconciliations she would get back on drugs and she would leave us places. And some of those places were not good, so it was a lot of just um, molestation, mental abuse, and of that nature. Um, going to 1992, I was 12, lost my virginity, I'm in the streets. I'm now considered, I'm labeled the um, juvenile delinquent, runaway. These are the labels that are being put on me by the system now. Um, Instead of them looking into foster homes, now they're looking into group homes. So now I'm going to different um, places for troubled kids. I ran away a lot. Um, became promiscuous. Um, first pregnancy at twelve, and my father was shot and killed in 1993, a year after. And his last words to me: "I had run away, and I." saw him on left and he was, he was like, what are you doing out here? And I told him, and he was like, you know, I'm tired of this. We're going to talk to your social worker in the morning. Da-da-da-da-da. Those were the last words that I heard from my father. And that was the last time I felt like I had any type of savior or grace that would get me out of the situation that I was in. Um, after he passed away, I went wild. Like nobody could control me. Nobody could, I just, and I couldn't, I had no understanding for it. People would ask, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And I couldn't give them an answer. And the thing that settled me was I became pregnant at 14 with my second daughter. And that's my 26 year old. And her father, even though he was in a messed up situation, we were kind of like Romeo and Juliet. You know, he came from a messed up family, I came from a messed up family, so we thought we was gonna run away and just um, feel this perfect family. I grew, he didn't. And at that time I was in a foster home. And uh, you know, I got kicked off that foster home when I was 17. And it was at the discretion of her getting me check every month that she wouldn't you know the authorities wouldn't wouldn't find out because if they did they would have took my daughter so that's how that path began i got my first low-income apartment when i was 18 didn't know how to pay bills didn't know how to keep a house i didn't have any type of skill sets that would be functional for me to maintain a household um started hanging with friends and i wanted to go out and You know, it was just, it was bad. And this led to years and years of um, just moving around a lot. Dropping my daughter off of our grandmother's house so I could go out. And it, it took for me to move out of town to North Carolina and meet incredible friends that I'm still friends to to this day. They taught me how to cook, how to clean, how to take care of my children, things of that nature. And I thought I was fine. I thought I was, you know, come kind of, I was moving into a progression of normalcy, not knowing that I had not even came an inch to any type of growth. I was learning how to put on masks. I was learning how to um, make myself presentable to society and look normal. And so I moved back to Cleveland, and when I moved back to Cleveland, I went to nursing school, graduated, and still, still was faced with, you know, people with promiscuity, you know, dating different men and thinking that, you know, if they see that I'm intelligent, if they see I'm educated, if they see I got a good job, if they see I take good care of my kids, they're going to want to be in a relationship with me. Not knowing that everything that you have inside of you protrudes out of you. And so I attracted the wrong type of man. I attracted the wrong type of friends because I was a giver. I thought that I had to give in order to receive any type of friendship or anything like that. so, um, you know, I have fake friends. And this will always put me into a dark place where I didn't want to be bothered with nobody. I just wanted to cut off from the world because I couldn't understand why these things in life was hurting me. Why was I going through these things? It took the pandemic. I was in a relationship, you already know. Um, It took the pandemic and for me to get on a plane for the first time in my life and go to New York to understand that it was so much more in me than what I have ever offered myself. That I deserve so much more than anything I've ever given to myself or anybody else has. Um, And I started a journey towards healing. And this is two years later, I'm still in that journey. But what I can say, the growth and how I carry myself I'm not gonna say I'm two different people, but I definitely have leveled up and can't nobody tell me about me. Can't nobody come into my bubble, my circle, with toxicity, things of that nature. I know that I'm a beautiful person. I know that I have things to offer. And, you know, it took me well, some plus 40 years, but I'm here now. And what I tell people in regards to childhood trauma is, we learn to put on masks we learn to cover up things and we don't learn how to forgive ourselves and also the people who may have done things to us And the, but the most important thing is forgiving yourself to be able to look into that mirror and not look for flaws but look for the beauty inside of you and know that it wasn't your fault for what happened it wasn't your fault for you know the things you are not subservient mm-hmm. to your to your past. Mm-hmm. That when you look in a mirror, you have to be able to look in there and say, "Hey, gorgeous, hey, handsome, you are amazing. You are gonna have a beautiful day." And you have to be able to do that and not look for it in others doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing is protecting your space and forgiving forgiving the people who you feel have wronged you. And I'm not saying that you have to go and hug and love on them, but you have to get an understanding that their karma and their fate and whatever it is that God has in store for them for whatever downfalls that they did, that's enough. You have to move on with your life, you have to grow and you have to progress. And if you hold on to the thought process that I hate this person or oh my god this person did this to me and you get angry and mad every time you think of the situation it's hindering you it's hindering your growth so it's not to let go but it's to heal it's the difference between healing and letting go you know healing is saying hey i'm able to sit in a room with somebody who molested me i'm able to hurt that person I'm able to talk to my mother about the things that she did wrong with me. And if she does not give me, or he does not give me the answer Mm -hmm. of which I seek, I can still leave that room and not be haunted Mm -hmm. by it. And just be okay, like that's the answer I get. All right. So that's kind of in a nutshell, it could go on for days, (laughs) but I I try to,
0: you know, funnel it up. Justin,
2: let me, let me hear you speak on the subject. So, uh, my story is a little different. Uh, I'm going to start my story back in 2019 when I decided to on to ministry, the church in general. Uh, and the reason I moved on was going is I realized I just had a voice. That was my home. Um, my sense of selfness, my sense of who I was, was warped by uh, what others told told, primarily my parents, uh, more so than my father. And it was that point when I decided to move on that the shadow work started. And it started without my permission.
0: Yeah, it always did.
2: <laughs> so, um, it was through that shadow work that I uh, began to look backwards. And to look and dig in my childhood for where all this came from. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I still deal with to this day, but every day I'm getting better, every day all right? Mm-hmm. So um, Going back to my childhood, I saw where there's a lot of control, a lot of control over what I said, what I did, where I went, what I could do, what I couldn't do. There was just control, and that shit was everywhere. Okay. Exactly. Just everywhere. So, um, I was like, it's like navigating through my mind a minefield at times. And we talked about Jerry, talked about the masks. So I mm-hmm. learned early how to put on masks. You know, I put on masks just to get through the day. Just so I could get back home, be in my own space, not to be with anyone or anybody. Yeah. yeah. And dark place.
1: You
2: know, so um I spent a lot of time by myself growing up. Um, which was another trauma that I looked back on and realized that I was left to myself too often. So, it was like where my parents should have been a little more hands-off. It was too much. And where they should have been more hands-on, it was not enough. Right? And so, I spent my whole life just couldn't wait to grow up. Couldn't wait to grow up, couldn't wait to get out the house, couldn't wait to do what I wanted to do, what I wanted to do, how I wanted to do it. I never quite got there. And I, and I would say, to some extent, um, there was some good in not being able to do what, what I want to do. I think we all need boundaries, and we all need some measure of um, uh, sense of, OK, going where's too far, where's the line, OK? But when you don't have enough autonomy, we have a hard time telling what the line is and you know sometimes the line is blurred at times, you know. So, um, my home also is very religious. Very, very, very religious. Um, came out of home, we were non, non-denominational in title, but nonetheless, again, a lot of my parents were pastors, so, I was a pastor's kids, so I had to deal with it. again keeping up an image, keeping up mm-hmm. uh, a sense of decorum and that whole thing mm-hmm. the
1: people
2: hated. Like another type So um, but what I found as I've been going through my own shadow work. Looking back and seeing that it was a constant voice of my mother in my ear about what to do, when not to do this and what I to do that. And again, it not necessarily being about me. You know, where I began to realize that my sense of self was suppressed. It was repressed. Um, so that I could fulfill a certain, uh, feel life in a certain way or act a certain way or be a certain way. And so I found that it, it's affected me in my relationships, it's affected me in my friendships, it's affected me professionally at times. Um, because all I, what I found myself wanting to do for years was just, get away. I want to get away from, from everything that to was control. I want to get away from everything. I mean, sometimes it's a measure of just, you know, I don't want the responsibility, I don't want to deal with it, I don't want it, because I felt like I was thrust into it so early and so soon, um, being thrust into the spotlight, so that, you know, even my 20s, I feel like I lost my 20s because I spent so much time doing church stuff that, again, didn't necessarily release or reveal an authentic version of myself. Um, I only really feel that just now, an authentic version of myself is coming out, I feel Like an authentic version of myself is coming forward. Um, um, also, another thing that i dealt with often that my dad built a lot, And was a big one. I'm not sure
3: man. You know, I'm uh, big
2: man, I'm short. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, they um, uh, said he yelled a lot, and that wear on me, mm-hmm. will wear on me. Cause again, it was a case of that too much, not enough mm-hmm. of the right thing and too much of the wrong thing at the time. I think that's what we all are dealing with. Yeah. You know, when we need love and affection, we got aggression. And when we needed to be corrected gently, you know, you know I don't believe in expecting the case, that's just me. Uh, but we got I got the belt. I found I found in my own life that the belt was a type of trauma. Yeah I did find that I did find that out. Some people would not even look at but I found out yes it is it is a type of trauma. Uh, because when I needed to be talked to I didn't get a conversation. So, so what I said, it, it all of it all really lent itself to me looking for a way out, spending my whole life just looking for a way out. You know. So that um, to now, I'm just now learning how to properly engage people from the onset. I'm just now learning how to engage people genuinely and authentically. You know, not just trying to get something out of them, or just trying to work them over that, you know, um, I'm just trying to be you know, transparent. I'm twice divorced. Um, both of my marriages reflected my lack of voice. I'm talking through church speak. I'm talking through spiritual speak. You know, I'm talking through all these masks. And I'm not talking. And I found that that was, that was a big piece of what destroyed our relationships is because I was upholding an ideal and a thing over probably loving and caring for the person that I was supposed to be with. I was supposed to have that I that, or how I want to say it. So, um, um, my trauma, like I said, it has um, also much to do with, like I said, being left alone a lot. So that led itself to me having a lot of idle time. You talked about skill building, you know, and those kind of things, where, where I should have been engaged in skill building. When I came to like sports and things like that, I was never really pushed the way I needed to be pushed to keep going, to not quit. I mean, the only thing like that was I was kept, I was pushed on was my, my uh, function as a musician. Um, other than that, uh, I, when it came to being engaged and being exposed to things, I'm going to tell you right now, I came up with a but most people say it was good on I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not going to I'm not going front. I came up in, in a pretty safe environment. Um, but then uh, my mom told me later in life, as she began to start working on herself, as she began to tell into shadow shadow working her field. She told me and my sister flat out, with my younger sister flat out, we're gonna get counseling together. She was right. She was absolutely right. Uh, I think in 2019, after I snapped, I left this, and I moved on, that's when I found how much of the damage had been done. I needed someone to talk to, to help sort out a lot of what I was facing, a lot of what I was dealing with. So, That's my story and that should I probably say
0: more than over uh, but um believe it or not and you just talking I just saw my son because I didn't really push him as hard as I should have pushed him in sports. Um I pushed him into his talents. I always was one of the ones where I felt like that's your talent. Focus on your time. He really he could have been a football kid. I don't know. I never really pushed him to try. I think I let him play football maybe one year when he was like six. when he said, My I don't I don't I don't care, I don't know that. I didn't say son, don't quit, nothing like that. I'm like, oh well, okay, we don't do that, let's try something else. Um in certain things should I have pushed him a little harder, maybe. But I also realized that he is on person. And if this is not something that he wants to do, if he's not like, well, my want to for another team, or I didn't push it. but I get it. Like it, it, it resonated with me when you said that, like pushing him into his musical talents. And at, at one point he said he wanted to write. And I wouldn't allow him to. Which now, on the path that he's on, I maybe shouldn't have allowed him to. It probably would have sent him down another path. But I didn't see the value in that particular talent that he had. I was just, no, chill, 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 go to college, go to college, go to college, But That was me really trying to get him to do something that I did. not I didn't look at him as, oh, he's his own complete person. Gonna he gon' do he yeah, gon' That's That's why the story to And I didn't get that until pandemic. He's 18, graduated from high school, trying to figure himself out, and there was nothing I could do to truly help him figure himself out. And I was like, I gotta step back and allow him to be the man that he's going to choose to be himself. Um, Did I pour a lot of uh, trauma onto my child? I kind of think I did. Uh, I allowed my mother to put trauma onto my child. Um, But I also realized that I allowed my son to talk to me and tell me those things. I allowed him to say my X, Y, Z. You know, something. I love my grandmother, but I don't like. It. I don't like what she did to you. Do. I don't like what she did to my aunties. I don't like how she acted after grandma, which my which is my grandmother, his great-grandmother. I mean, he said, he said I don't like how she came. And I'm gonna get into that on the next show because I'm gonna actually have her on the next show. We're gonna talk about it. Um, but just your story alone, it, it, it clicked in my head, Stroke, go ahead and call my hearty. What do you think you came to
3: do? Um, shit. Um. <laughs> my story starts as stories, like um, as far back as I can remember. Like, the building, kicking it, I pop up, ain't nobody in the apartment, so I'm freaking the fuck out. It'll be freaking the fuck out. I hear a voice that say that. I'm cool. fine. I'm with you. Just go back to sleep. I always say, when I tell people, like, that's why I fucking died so hard. It's because of that. Like, that's, I heard that voice, and I felt that calm, because that's, that was my, introduction to what, as I would say, to God. Be mm-hmm. growing up as a Christian, be growing up with a single mother environment. i ain't going to say a single parent. I'm going to say a single mother environment because a bunch of single mother. Um, the relationship with God always was dictated on how they see God. But I met God for myself. So that's going to be kind of hard moving forward as a child. My mission happened Always been inquisitive. We've always had a certain sense for life. So start asking questions. First question is, um, why girls get to wear so many clothes and boys don't? If we supposed to be equal, this is around the time I'm born in '86. This is around that feminist movement. We be doing all this shit equal. To equality and men, ain't you know what I'm saying? This all that. So, so I got questions. You know what I'm saying? I'm hearing what's going on, why women need to wear all these clothes and men don't because we all equal seem like there's more clothing not but you know, girls, and you know, it ain't none of why we get is pants and shorts. Little shit like that. Well come I can't have no baby and you know a girl can't, you know, just little groom tree shit. That shit led me into realizing like I can't trust nobody to tell me shit. Like Cause everything they told me did not line up with what I was seeing in real life. Like, mind you, I'm a child. living in a project, I don't know what the project is, I just my life. I'm around single moms, I don't know the extent of none of this shit, I just don't care. So to me, it's like shit, you gotta make the best of wherever you at, because it's just you, and you control you. You know what I'm saying? Like, so whatever everybody else got going on, just make sure you cool. So my mom was young when she had me, so I got passed around a lot. So everywhere I went, I would make my own space. Like if they had an extra room, I would take it out of their and I'd make my own space, keep it clean. Um, if it was a closet, like say I'm with, oh my cousin's house is five of these niggas, ain't no extra room. Who got an extra closet, nigga, I'd go in there and make them go for and shit. I need my own space, you know what I'm saying, I'm used to being by myself, I need a place to where I could be me, and I didn't look at it as trauma as a key, because you never do, you just think you're you know what I'm saying, all this shit going on, there. and my mom is busy, you know what I'm saying, like, man, she, she do what she do, I'm, I'm here with my cousin, I'm kicking it, you know, and you realize we week or two went fast, I know your mama say she worked, but goddamn, like. And <laughs> yeah. you've been gone from watch your house for like two or three weeks. You basically live with your family. Like you you don't even live at home. Um I'm trying to explain to my mother that I'm getting bullied by my cousins for being spoiled. I'm an only child. I got toys because most like, only children are spoiled. I'm not at home to play with this shit. So I'm getting bullied for shit that I don't even You know what I'm saying? I don't need it. Mm -hmm. You got all these toys, nigga. No.